I was on my way to school and something stopped me. And I turned around and I told my mom, I said, I know you're going to work in the garden today. It's going to be real hot. Be careful. And I don't know why I said that. And later that afternoon, found out that my mother, in fact, did have a heat stroke while she was tending her garden. Hey, family, I'm Leon Guidry. Welcome to the Brother Be Well podcast. Our conversations focus on mental health and wellness. Our intent is to provide a safe space for boys and men of color to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. Listen up, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. Today, we're talking with Michael Gann, a phenomenal advocate and Brother Be Well content contributor. Michael is sharing details of his tumultuous journey through trauma and addiction to recovery and ultimately to service to the community. Michael, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you. Really good to have you here. Appreciate you taking time to talk with us. It's an honor for me to be here. Let's get right into your story, Michael. And it's it's a compelling story. Um, Starting out, I understand you never knew your biological father and your biological mother um, relinquished parental rights when you were just a toddler. Uh, you wound up being taken in by a couple. What were those first 10 or so years like with your adoptive parents? Well, you know, we, you know, we all grew up, with, you know, you know, to, to think about the American dream. And, you know, you know, I, 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 I grew up with the first 10 years in what I thought was a, you know, a middle class life, an old middle class life. Um, I had great parents. My, you know, my mom, she loved me unconditionally and i mean i was her whole life and she would tell me this every day you know she she give she she affirmed me every morning before i go off to school you know she made sure i had everything i needed if i left my lunch she'd go to the local hamburger stand and bring me burgers and fries for lunch of course i had to fight off all my friends um you know my dad you know he um would take me fishing we, we you know we get up early in the morning go fishing stay out all day you know um, I remember the first time I caught my first fish, it was a flounder. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to baseball games and one of my, you know, one, one, one of my favorite memories was uh, going to Keysar Stadium in San Francisco to watch the 49ers practice. And we did that for, uh, we did that for a few years, you know, uh, uh, along with that memory was, the, was the memory of meeting uh, um, John Brody, um, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame uh, quarterback for the 49ers. You know, talk about that. You 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 read my mind a little bit. I was going to ask you. You're still a 49ers fan, so that must have really had an impact on you getting to to see those guys play and go to those early 49ers games. Oh, oh, oh it was. You know, um, but you know, when my when my life took a turn, and of course we're going to talk about this later. But when my life took a turn, I, I kind of I, I kind of you know drifted away from sports for for a while. Um, and, and, you know, but when I was in Germany and I came back and I think the year was like, uh, 1985 and I got to see, um, the, the, the 49ers, um, go, uh, go for, go, go for a Super Bowl try. And it was the first game I had been to in, in years. And from that time on, I, you know, the, you know, the, I've been, I've been a, you know, a long time fan ever since. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So your your mom and dad had, had absolutely been uh, vital parts of your life. And then literally one day, everything changed for you. Your mom died when you were in the seventh grade, I think. She died a heat stroke. I'm wondering um, how old she was at the time. Did she have any prior health problems? And then I want to know, Michael, if you can share what effect that had on you, losing 
your mother is something I've not experienced yet. And I, my heart went out when I read that. Can you talk about the, the impact that that had on you? Well, the thing, the, 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 the big impact for me was, was that morning um, that she had, she, she, she contracted the heat stroke or suffered the heat stroke. I was on my way to school. I was just about to cross the threshold out onto the, out onto the porch and something stopped me. And I turned around and I told my mom, I said, I know you're going to work in the, in the, in the garden today. I said, it's going to be real hot. Be careful. And I don't know why I said that, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I just felt, I just felt it was necessary to say, she kissed me and said, I'll be fine. And I went to school. And later that afternoon, um, the lady who, um, was, who, who was in charge of our, um, our local um, carpool. Um, we didn't call it that at the time, but um, she came. She came. She came to the school, picked me up, and took me to the hospital. And she wouldn't say very much uh, while we were going. Mm. And that's when I found out that my mother, in fact, did have a heat stroke while she was tending her garden. Uh, she passed out. She she was able to she was able to to wake up and and, and actually crawl her way into the house where she could where she can uh, grab the phone and call her her best friend. Who came down and then called the ambulance and got it and got it got her there. Um, I have, for some reason though, my mom had been preparing me for this for, for her for the her departure, and I didn't know I didn't understand why because at the time I was only twelve. Mm. Um, but when she passed, I didn't feel like I lost her. I mean, she was gone, you know. Um, but I, even even today, I feel like she's still here. Mm. Um, you know, like, like I, like I tell people, I talk to God, I talk to, I talk to my mom too, you know, um, I know that if she was living all the, you know, all the things that I went through, you know, in my life's travels would have taken um, different directions. I don't know where I'd be today, but if she was, if she was around, I'm sure that, you know, I, I'd be on a different pathway, but because, you know, because of her, um, when it, when it was time for me to go into recovery, I mean, the, the, you know, the thoughts of her, uh, also helped me st stay strong. I've, I've, I've been a strong person, you know, pretty much from that, from, from the time of her death on. Mm. I was, I was going to say, first of all, even all those years later, Michael, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, Thank and you. I also want to say that, yeah, you'd be on a different path, but you might not be on a path that is now positioning you to help somebody else. You wouldn't have that that story to tell so so maybe maybe you know none of us knows why stuff like that happens but maybe that's got a little something to do. well i i still i still believe that you know that that in the things that are happening could or, or god's will mm -hmm. where i'm at because of, of where he wants me to be yeah and i think i had to I, I think i had to live uh you know a hard life in order to be able to uh, relate to others and, and help others wow wow your, your mom passed away and you immediately, the, the father that you had, you know, gone to games with and hung out with and, and, and done some things with, you saw a change in his behavior. Um, I want you to talk about, you, you, you quoted, you said your story that you don't think he ever gave two cents about you. Um, I want you to talk about him just a little bit. And you've got a really powerful story, I think, for any anyone who's ever you know, gotten ready for school or gone back to school or taking kids to go get school clothes. You got a story that just really shook me. And if you'd be open to it, I'd like you to talk about your dad and some of the things you had to deal with before we, you know, get on to the 
the recovery part. If you could share some of that. Right. Well, you know, it's, I mean, it's just like I said, it was, it was an immediate 180 um, in, in, in his demeanor and, and, and his attitude toward me. Um, I had, uh, I, you know, I remember my mother had told me about money that she had been saving and she told me where to go find it, you know, uh, if, if something ever happened to her and, when when it did, you know, a few I remember a few days later, I, I I remember that she had told me that and I and I thought about it and I said, well, okay. I went and found the money and you know, counted it out. You know, it was a nice, you know, you know, it was a nice piece of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though she told me to keep it, I still thought I had the I, I had the duty of being a good son, mm-hmm. you know, and thinking, well, my father would need this, you know. Uh being the, you know, the you know, funeral costs and uh, you know, this, that and the other. Uh, so I gave it to him, you know, and I thought, well, you know, I, I actually thought that maybe he was going to give some back. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't. He just, you know, he just put it in his pocket. He didn't count. He just put it in his pocket and didn't say thank you or anything. And you know, next thing I know, that's when things that started changing. You know, you know, of course, I didn't have any money. So I, immediately I needed some things that my mother would have made sure that I had, you know, mm-hmm. lunch money, uh, any any school activity coming up, you know. You know, there was always money for that, you know, money for clothes. Um, when I when I start asking for these things for, for my dad, it was, you know, there was always an excuse, always a reason why I couldn't I, I, I couldn't go to school activities anymore uh, with with my friends. When they go, I had to be I, you know, I had to go sit in a special class with all the other kids who couldn't go mm-hmm. um, um, uh, clothes. You know, when this ha- this happened toward the end of, of school year. So when it was time for me to go. You know, go, go, go to the next grade while everybody was everybody. All my friends were they were going out, going out shopping, getting getting new clothes. I was never going, so I just figured I mean, maybe in the last couple of days or so, he was just going to take me out and you know just get, you know get a, get a, you know go get a whole year's worth of clothes like my mother would do, and that didn't happen. And I asked him about it. He said, you know, you got a you got, you know you got room for the clothes. You can you know you can, you can wear those. You know, so uh, that's when I started learning how to iron real well. Because you know, because um, my you know, I, I needed to make sure that I, I at least tried to make it look like I had some new clothes, you know. Yeah. But of yeah. course, you know, you know, you know, your friends, your kids, their their hearts, they 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 knew, you know, and they, you know they you know they start they start they start ragging on me about my clothes. Yeah, you know, you you know, uh, you you're wearing the same clothes from last year, this that and the other, and these kind of things started eating at me, you know. Yeah. And uh, he would go off. For a while, and I found out, you know, I had found out prior to my mother passing that he had that he had another family. Actually, mm. it wasn't his family; it was her family. Um, and he he would do things with them that he wouldn't do with me, you know. So uh, there'd be times on weekends I'd be at home alone. He'd be taking them to Tijuana or or, or Disneyland, things like that. I never really understood it. I mean, because it wasn't like I ever did anything to him, you know. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't. I just wasn't a priority to him at all. Well, Michael, I, I appreciate you being so willing to share that story. Can you share with us? I, I can't imagine dealing with that at such a young age. You were only 17 years old. So talk a little bit about how you how you navigated that very dark period of your life. Well, I, 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 I want to go back and address my Asia's experiences just briefly. Um, I had a lot to do with, with what, you know, where I ended up and and it started basically when I was about five years old, being sexually abused by members of my family and, and, and our extended family. And I wasn't able to talk to anybody, not even my mom, who, um, 
aside from that, I mean, I, I, I can bring up anything. I can talk to talk to her about anything that come, come to mind. Mm-hmm. I couldn't talk to my dad. I mean, because, you know, uh, I don't know why. I think it's just something that's, that's innate in us that, you know, when you have these experiences that uh, you, 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 it's, it's hard to go to another man and say, I, you know, I've had these, you know, I've, I've had these experiences. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that just, I buried it. Basically, I, I, I buried these feelings. Um, they came out from time to time, um, so, um, but for, for the most part, um, they're they're deep rooted. I, mean, I have to admit, even now, they're deep rooted. Um, you know, so that led that you know that led into the, you know uh, when my father changed, and uh, basically let's 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 advance into uh, high school is when I started. Um, started working. Uh, you know, I had my first job with Earl Earl Shive Paint Shop. I remember remember that all too well. It was right down the school, right down the street from my high school. Yeah. You know, so I could I could work. I could take my lunch and go onto the campus and you know, you know, show off my my, my friends that you know I'm, I'm working now. You know, um, I was doing I was doing well, but you know, things at home were still bad. You know, uh, you know, you know, my pops would would, would take you know would take you know any monies that I had, you know, and, and say that I have to pay my way and stuff. So, you know, while I was making a little bit of money, I was still taking care of, still being able to take care of myself. I still had to, you know, contribute to the household, mm-hmm. but I felt like it was un- unfair because of the treatment that I had, you know, I had been receiving from him from years previous. I finally decided that, you know, I needed to get away from there. I needed to get away from him. And that's when I decided that um, I'd go into the army. You know, I, you know, he wasn't in, in the military as well. Um, World War II vet, and uh, with all the stories I heard, it was, you know, it was uh, it was it was romantic. So off I went to you know went to the to the military. Uh, I stayed for two and a half years, but I had a terrible time assimilating. Um, never really able to uh, adjust to the uh, you know to, to the authority figures. I never wanted to do what you know every everything that I was told because I didn't like how they told me to do things because it just kept taking me back to being with being with my dad. So so after two and a half years, I was discharged. What I was I was lucky though because they were trying to get get me out on a dishonorable discharge and I managed to uh I ma- managed to talk my way into a general honorable condition. So I came out and I still had I still had benefits and things. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, I was you know I was able to go out and and, and get jobs. But I went to, I went for jobs that I wasn't qualified for. I, mm. I, I got a job with Bank of America, um, and did terribly at the at this job. Matter of fact, I did. So, I was such a bad employee that I caused the supervisor to have a breakdown. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so you know, when I found that out, then of course, um, it, you know, I knew I knew I couldn't I knew I couldn't stay with that job, so I left that job and I started bouncing around from job to job. Just wasn't finding my footing anywhere. Um, uh, eventually. I went to, back to uh, Washington State, where I had gotten out of the army. I had some friends there who was helping some other friends move to New York. So we all got into a U-Haul, moved this family to New York, and I stayed there for about a year until I was told by my, you know, by uh, my mom, who, the lady who became my mom after after, after Zenobia died. Uh, she uh, she told me I needed to come home because my dad was deathly ill. When I got back, he had recovered miraculously. Um, so now, but now I'm back. Um, you know, I've given up a good, a, a good job opportunity in New York to come back, and so, so you know, I just take whatever job I could find. Interestingly enough, though, I went back to Bank of America, 
and got rehired by a, by a person that hired me the first time. Oh wow! And was- you know they fired me, <laughs> and I, I can, and and I got them to rehire me, and I I, I took I stay I took I stayed with that job for about six months until I got fired again. Wow. It got to the point where you know I just again I was just bouncing around. I couldn't get my foot footing, and I didn't I didn't know um, you know what should I be doing, so. I went back to the army. It's the best. It's the thing that I knew best. But this time, I decided that I was going to make a success out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I told him I, 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 what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in administration because I, I I was poor in administration in, in a previous job. I wanted to I wanted to go in and learn all I could learn and be the best I could be doing that job. And I did. Uh, I was very I was very successful um, doing that job. It was, it, was, it was the proudest moment of my of, of my life. Uh, I did that for I did that for 15 years, but of course, um, you know, in later years, I was I was I was I was still suffering from um, thoughts and haunts of my past, and uh, I did started I did started drinking. Um, I had been drinking sociably prior to that, but it didn't got to the point where I started drinking every day. Um, I couldn't, I, you know, I, I couldn't be off to myself and, and not have a drink. I mean, I had, I, I had to buy a bottle every night to go, to go home and be prepared to just to drink myself to it, almost a stupor. Uh, but I prepared myself. I get, you know, I stop, get ready for the next day. I'd actually, you know, you know and I'd actually take take measures to get ready for the next day and get up five o'clock in the next morning and, and go to work and you know, and nobody would be the wiser. Uh, I actually got out of the army before anybody even realized that I had a problem. Wow. Wow. We, we've talked about your, your addiction to alcohol, Michael. We've talked about your pivots back and forth between jobs and back and forth to the armed services. Somewhere along that way, you became acquainted with crack cocaine. Can you talk about, I mean, I, I, as you've described this story, you, you had the deck stacked against you with all of those um, things that were impeding your success and your progress, but then you're introduced to crack. Talk about that and how that may have, I'm assuming set you back a little bit. Well, you know, I was still in the army when um, when when I got introduced to, to crack. I can remember it was actually 1988. Uh, I'd met someone who who introduced me to it, and of course, when it comes to when it comes to drugs, um, highly addictive drugs, especially, um, I found that I was chasing that first high. And of course, later later in life, I heard that you know I I heard, I heard that story over and over and over. You, you know that 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 high that first high is so euphoric that you know you you try to you try to find that each and every time, wow. and the thing about it was is you never could you never you can never reach that 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 same euphoria, but you keep trying keep trying you know so um, the only the, the one thing that was good about that is because I, I knew people that that got so into it that you know you know they you know they lost jobs houses cars families that never happened to me I was I, you know. I, um, if, you know, I made sure I paid my bills first, you know, uh, every time I get, every time I get paid, I wasn't, I mean, it wasn't crack every single day, you know, it was like on paydays, you know, mm. um, like I said, make sure to be, make sure the bills were paid. And I, I had a lot of my amount of money that I would spend on. It. And after that, it, it was, it was done. But toward the end, it was, it got to the point where, um, thank God I had somebody in my life that could take over. You know, the, the business portion of our lives and allow me to 
um, you know, fester in my in, in my addiction. It wasn't like they were allowing me to. It was just that they knew that this was going to happen, and they had to take things. They had to take things over to make sure that you know we uh, we progressed as best we could. You know that you know that you know everything was paid for, rent, car, car notes, all that stuff, and I didn't have to worry about any of that. Okay. Um, but it, but you know, it finally it finally got to a point where uh, I got tired of, of the crack. Um, it was it just wasn't doing anything for me. I didn't want to spend my money on it anymore. And two weeks be, two weeks before my my real bottom from alcohol came, I stopped I stopped with the crack. And I think that also made it easier for me to uh, accept that I needed to stop it, stop drinking as well. And we're going to get to that real bottom in just a second. But just before we get there, you got aces, you got alcoholism, you got crack cocaine. And then on top of that, or on top of those, you start to experience panic attacks. Can you take us back to that? And I'm wondering, looking back on that, did you see yourself developing a, a, an anxiety condition? Did you see it, you know, kind of in the distance coming or did it just kind of hit you like a ton, ton of bricks by surprise? No, it, it I, 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 I didn't see any symptoms or any evidence of any symptoms. It, it, it was really all of a sudden I was I was driving home from work. Thank God I was at a stoplight and all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. Um, I, my, you know, I, 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 I felt a tightening in my chest, and I was, I was wondering. I'm trying. I was trying to remember some of the symptoms that you that you hear and read about for you know for for, for potential heart attacks or strokes, and I, I started feeling some of that, or at least I thought I did, and I thought maybe I was about to stroke out right then and then. Wow. I, I don't know. I just asked. I just asked God for help and 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 just relaxed a little bit, and and, and it went away, but. They, the the panic attacks um, continue for 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 a while. Um, I, to to this day, I really don't know what was my trigger for 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 the for the panic attacks. Mm. That, it was because it wasn't always the same type of uh, in, you know, environment that 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 I, that I was in. The first time I was by myself. Other times I was in so in, in social uh, situations. So, um, I had a panic attack at a at, at a um, baseball game. You know. Mm. Uh, so when I finally found out that, uh, you know, along with panic attacks, I was also developing social anxiety. So, uh, I, I, which I suffer from today. Yeah. Uh, no, I, but I, I didn't. I didn't have any idea that this was was going to happen. But it, it just started. You know, the anxiety just started progressing. Um, I had already started with um, being depressed, but I didn't know for what reasons. You know. Um, there were parts, there were times in my life with, with, with things that was going on around me in my household that I didn't like. And that might, I think that might've led to some of these anxieties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got all of that and we're, we're almost out of the woods in a way, but you gotta, you know, they, they say people have to hit rock bottom. Um, you hit eight rock bottoms. If you'll, if you'll pardon that, uh, turn of a phrase, you woke up from um a drinking experience um and there were eight empty bottles of alcohol um lying there uh personally i'm a, I'm a social drinker i know what eight shots would do to me so when i read eight bottles i originally thought that was a typo you you woke up to eight empty bottles of alcohol can you take us back to that night and how you finally made a decision to say okay we're done i gotta take care of this well, I can remember very well because I had started a practice, um, you know, earlier er, earlier on, where 
I knew that, you know, toward the end of my work day, I started thinking about, you know, you know, you know, picking up my bottle on the way home. So, I, you know, then, of course, I was talking about this. And then I finally decided that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start. I'm going to go to the store. And I'm just going to buy a small bottle and that's going to be it for the night. And this particular night was 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 the same way. I started off with, you know, with what I call the little small personal bottle, uh, you know, of, of alcohol. And I, I took it home and. Um, I went into a blackout. That's that that I know for a fact, because I don't know when I would I would I would actually had to have left the house more than once to go out and, and keep getting these bottles. Nobody was bringing them to me. You know, you we didn't have remember, you don't remember coming and going. No, I don't. Wow. You know, um, and I think when I, when, you know, when, when I asked my, 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 my wife, who, you know, who, who was my fiance then, uh, when, when we talk about it, she, uh, she would say that um, she never saw me come and go. I don't know how I managed to do that. You know, but I mean, you, you know, you're in a blackout, but obviously you're still able to, you're still able to function. You just don't know what's, what's going on. So I woke up that next morning. And I, I looked up and I saw a bottle on a nightstand. I looked and I, I was looked in the windowsill. There was a bottle there, you know. And I, I got, I, I crawled out of the bed and there were bottles under the bed. And it's like I don't know. I don't even know how I woke up. Wow. Well, I, it, I couldn't be happier that you woke up, Michael. And you've also walked us right up to uh, that turning point for you. You entered um, a, a recovery program. Uh, soon after that. And we're going to get into that in our next episode of this conversation. Thank you, Michael Gant, for, for sharing your story so poignantly and so transparently. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, I want to encourage you. You've been watching this and you've seen or heard something that intrigued you. Uh, go to our website, mentalhealthca.org. You can get updated on Brother Be Well. You can even subscribe to our free magazine. Again, that's mentalhealthca.org. Again, Michael Gant, content contributor. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Thank you, Michael. And my name is Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. Uh, Until next time, I want to encourage you to take good care of yourself and somebody else. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Brother Be Well podcast. Remember to join the BB-Dub community at brotherbewell.com so we can stay aware and heal trauma together. Thanks also to our sponsors, Sutter Health, and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. I'm Leon Guidry, and I'm out.